Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, I feel like we have been slowly but surely building what I call a structure, really with the foundation of understanding who is God, how do we understand God, how do we have a relationship with God, and so many different aspects of this all-important question, step-by-step building layers. And it really brings to mind, I think, a fundamental question in this whole process. We've really established God is good, nothing is outside of God, and yet There's the famous question of why do bad things happen to good people? And this has to be taken in context of everything you've shared so far is God is good and loving. And yet reality is there's so so many people that do suffer and good people that suffer. So how do you answer or approach the question of why do bad things happen to good people? Well, first of all, I really uh, appreciate you asking me this question because it's a sure sign that you think I'm the Messiah. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, it says that uh, Moses asked God this question and he didn't get an answer. Uh, and so, uh, so what do we do with that? Uh, we start off with like, I don't know why bad things happen to good people. And I don't think not in this life or in this world, we will know. Uh, there was a famous book that was written called when bad things happen to good people. Uh, and very often people miss quote the title and say, why bad things happen to good people? And so uh, I think I'd rather approach, you know, how to to look at it, but not necessarily understand it. Mm. You know, I I once heard it put really well that if there is a God, then suffering makes no sense. And if there isn't a God, then nothing makes any sense. Mm. And so... uh, you know, uh, especially today, it's it's Yom HaShoah. It's the day of you know the day that we remember the Holocaust. It's Holocaust Day in Israel, and uh, I'm a son of a survivor, so I grew up struggling with this question very much about tragedy and and how tragedy is so possible. And my grandparents were murdered by the Nazis. Uh, my mother was in a concentration camp at age 15. And um, so I, 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 I've, I've grown up w- w- and I continue to struggle with this question. But uh, with that as an introduction, uh, I'll give some ways of looking at it. Hmm. Um, the first thing is it's, it's very humbling uh, for us to accept that maybe God's way of thinking isn't the way we think. You know, it's something that science has come to realize that Science has applied classical logic to understanding the universe. And now they're realizing that the universe isn't functioning according to the classical logical mind, but they've discovered uh, or developed an, a, a new understanding of logic that's called quantum logic. And even though human beings don't have quantum logical minds, uh, we, can, uh, we, we can understand what that quantum logical mind would be. And so it's the same thing. We're trying to understand God with our human minds when the divine is operating from, a, a, so to speak, a place that's beyond time and space. And it's kind of like trying to, you know, play a record in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a 
a cassette tape recorder. You know, it's like we're, we're, we're trying to fathom the divine mind and we have to already humbly surrender and realize that the uh, accountings of God and the, um, the bigger story from his point of view is something that's, at least for now, beyond our grasp. Hmm. And, um, you know, you know, imagine you have this fellow who's um, uh, so, some primitive fellow in deep, dark jungles of Africa. And he, he knows nothing about modern medicine. And uh, he trips over a rock and smashes his head against a tree. And then he wakes up and he's on a table. And there are people surrounding him with with masks and green cloaks, and they've got sharp instruments in their hands. And there's this light beaming on him. From his point of view, he's being captured by a tribe of cannibals, and he's dinner, and they're about to eat him. Mm. That's what he understands, and that is obvious to him. If we were to say to him, no, no, this is a hospital. These strangers have been by your side for hours and they have incredibly with with amazing selfless uh, commitment. They're trying to save your life. Is there any way he could understand that? He just no way. There's just no way it doesn't fit into his paradigm. He doesn't know what modern medicine is. He hasn't has never seen a hospital. He, not, he's never been in a room of surgery. He, he wouldn't fathom that strangers would be trying to save his life and the way they would do it by having sharp utensils in their hands. And, uh, and that's what we're trying to do. We're going through pain and we can't understand, you know, how can God be good when I'm feeling so bad? And is it possible, possible that there's a, a, a meta story going on over here that I'm not capable of understanding, at least right now, that all this is actually in my best interest as excruciatingly painful as it is? And uh, I, think, I think the first step in not answering the question, but at least coping with the question and making some peace with the question is understanding how much we aren't able right now to understand. Mm. Wow. Well, as you say, without being able to answer the question, that actually is a very powerful answer to the question. I think even more powerful than sometimes when people do try and attempt to give a specific answer to the question, but it's a paradigm shift what you're offering really recognizing the limited capacity we have, meaning there's certain things we know. And then there seems like there's this um, cognitive dissonance. How can God be loving? And yet we go through so much pain because we're accepting that God is loving. We're accepting we are going through pain, but you're not giving an answer really is an answer, which is the point is that, and I like your analogies to explain it is that our capacities for understanding are so limited that recognizing that to some degree is a sort of an answer. Right. And I, I heard a really brilliant answer from uh, the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who made a point that that not knowing is 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 what it's about, because if we did know why bad things happen to good people, then we would just say, oh, OK, it makes sense why they're suffering and I shouldn't get involved. I shouldn't pray. I shouldn't try and change their fate because 
this is all in their best interest. So why should I get involved? Uh, you know, it would be a lack of my faith in God that I should try and change this human being in pain situation. And so really the not knowing is part of the part we have to play, which is I don't know why bad things are happening to good people. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and if I did know, it would probably diminish my, um, my, my efforts to help them and whether they're spiritual efforts or physical efforts and, uh, and, and maybe that's really the answer is not having an answer to that question is actually vital for the story of our lives and the roles that we need to play in, in our lives and in the lives of other people. Hmm. You know, it's so interesting because I feel like there definitely is what we call Jewish philosophy perspectives, um, Hashkafa, like the, out, the outlook we have and how we understand and make sense of the world and phenomena of the world. But then there's the reality of now, what do you, there's a lot, a lot of Jewish practices. What do you do? And in a certain sense, you can see that when you get caught up in this question of why do bad things happen to good people, you can just get almost caught up in a loop. And I could see the loop not bringing a person to any place that's good. On the other hand, when you, what you're talking about focusing, recognizing that there's a perspective you can have without having an answer. But what, if I can focus more, as you brought down Rabbi Sachs, is what it brings me to is if it can bring me to, let's say, I can help a person, I can try to help myself, how can I bring some good out of this? Then that's focusing on the action is probably a more constructive place to put the energy that I may not right. if I'm going to focus I, on the question. I, I also think that losing one's face in the faith, in the face of tragedy and pain and suffering is not going to help. It's going to make things worse. I heard a story about a man who had lost his entire family in the Holocaust, and he remained a devout believer in God. And someone said, how, how after all you've gone through, how do you continue to believe in God? He said, I lost my wife, I lost my 10 children, and now you want me to lose God? Mm. You know, how much can I lose? And I, I think being able to say to ourselves, there must be meaning to what is looking to me like madness. There must be some kind of kindness behind what's looking to me as cruelty. I, I think that's the only way to get out of bed, you know? And I think people need to be practical. It's like, if you don't give your pain purpose, that's what turns it into unbearable suffering. But when you turn, give your pain some kind of purpose, or at least believe there must be some purpose to your pain. It gives you hope and it gives you strength. That's very, very true. But, you know, ultimately you're bringing up another point that connects to a lot of what we spoke about before of free choice in certain ways. I'm thinking it's true. If, if we were very clear on why things that seem bad are happening and it made total sense to us, then it sort of takes away this struggle that we have when part of the, anytime there's a struggle, that's where you have to make a choice. There's no choice if something's crystal clear to us. And in a great sense, I think the way we respond to the challenges and the pain and bad things, what seems bad to us happening, um, that's where there's a choice point that has to come in. Well, you know, I've gone through some pretty rough times in, in, in the last few years. And I've come to realize that my ultimate choice is the story I tell myself about what is going on. And do I tell myself a story about faith and God and purpose, or do I tell myself a story about 
chaos and 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 meaninglessness and that's your ultimate choice in life is the story you you tell yourself and the commentary you give to what's going on in your life and you know and uh, you know no one can i don't think a person can prove there's a god although i think there's better evidence there is but i don't think the atheist can prove there isn't a god but i think what we can prove is that the person of belief has a better chance at coping with what they're going through and and a person might say well and that's why i should believe you know that's not a bad reason to believe practically you got to get up and get moving and if accepting god in your life it enables you to do that why not it's not irrational uh, and, you know, so the atheist can't prove there is no God. And let's say the believer can't prove there is a God, although I think the atheist has better evidence, a lot better evidence that there is. But nonetheless, we cannot offer conclusive proof. So that means I have to make a choice how I'm going to look at my life. And I can either look at my life through the eyes of cynicism or I could look at my life through the eyes of faith. Mm. You know, it's very powerful because it comes back to exactly this. How do I look at it when this Again, it's a classic question. Why do bad things happen to good people? In a sense, sometimes I think we're asking, you're making it clear to me at least, that I think I'm asking the question all wrong. Because when I think typically we ask this question, we're expecting, okay, what are the Jewish answers for this? And what you're sharing is, is that the way we look at this, it's not asking this question, bad things happen to good people. It's how do I look at it? Meaning things happen. And depending on the choice of how I look at it, will totally change the way I live my life now. Not even bad things, even good things. I think depending on the way you look at this, it totally changes the whole way. Like we can be living in the same world and yet depending on how we look at the world we live in and what's going on and how we interpret it without necessarily having even to understand it, but that totally changes the reality that I'm living in compared to someone else who looks at it totally differently. Well, you know, that reminds me, I, I met this fellow in Toronto uh, and he was a very successful businessman and Later on in his life, he embraced the Torah life. And, and I asked him, you know, what, what's, you know, sparked that reinterest in Judaism? And he said, you know, when people go through bad things, they always say, why me, God? And I was going through really great, great things, really blessed things. And I realized that why shouldn't I ask, why me, God? Mm. And when I looked at the successes that were coming my way and I said, why me, God? I realized that 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 I, I need to use my success to bring greater God consciousness to the world. Wow. Well, that's a very good example of what you're talking about here is depending on how you look at a situation. And then there's a choice, meaning a person could still have that perspective and then not choose to take that next step that this man did. And so I think in this great sense, what I'm really taking from this too, is that when this question pops up for us, because we are going through something or we're close to someone who's going through something, or we hear about someone who's going through something, which unfortunately, if you open the news can be every single day, um, the more, the best way to, when we, our emotions are stirred, the best place to channel them are saying, okay, now I have to choose what things happen, but now what am I going to choose how to live my life based on this coming to me? And that will make all the difference between, I really appreciate what you said, is that is this going to be you know, pointless suffering or is there purpose? And it is interesting because to some degree, I think purpose, it's almost hard for me to imagine there being purpose without there also being some challenge involved. And unfortunately, think of how many organizations and how much good comes into the world that comes as a result of bad things, seemingly bad things that have happened. 
Yeah, look, you know, one of the metaphors I give, but I, I will admit that when a person is in the in the midst of their suffering, there's really nothing to say, but just hold their hand and give them a hug. But uh, but when we're stepped away from suffering and talking about it, then it's kind of like imagine a seed that doesn't know it's a seed and it's being buried by a farmer. From that seed's point of view, this 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 man is a murderer who didn't even have the the, the at least it, just kill me. Why bury me alive and have to have me suffer? And as that seed is deteriorating in the ground, rotting in the ground from his point of view, he has no clue. He thinks he's dying when, in fact, he's about to blossom and become a sapling and become a tree. And there's no way that that seed could ever, ever think that the pain that he's going through as he deteriorates and literally rots in the ground dying uh, is actually the beginning of new life. Mm. Wow. That is a very powerful understanding because in a sense it almost, from what I'm taking from this is that all the things about our life that seem to be rotting from one perspective, if we just focus on that one segment of what's happening, it can be true, but in the bigger picture, which we don't always see when we're going through the pain and we may, some of it we won't see within this lifetime is that new life is forming and the greatest potential of the, what that seed is all about is being unlocked. I guess the that's challenge right. is, and that's another point I'm thinking about as, as you're sharing this, is that we only see small slices and segments. And when you just see one small slice and segment of something, it can be a total misrepresentation of what the bigger picture is. And maybe that's one of the challenges, too. Yeah. You know, like, again, you know, that seed is, is it, is it rotting or is it rooting and growing? Mm. <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, it, it, it's we don't have that big picture. And 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 I admit that when a person is in the middle of pain, uh, I, I don't know how much anything I'm saying here will help them. And I wouldn't even say this to them right in that moment of their pain. I think when a person's in pain, it's not a, it's not a time for answers. It's a time for empathy. Mm. And so I think it's very important that people be, be very careful that, you know, that, yes, we can, uh, you know, uh, we, we can look at pain and suffering and we could try and give perspective on it uh but but bottom line that's when we're outside of it looking at it but when a person's in the middle of a a, a terrible loss that's not a time for answers uh, that's a time for compassion and empathy and 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 silence mm. and a big hug that's very very important to share with everybody um and keeping that in mind, the whole concept, though, of this show is knowing when the right time is. And that really goes in line with how to look at this question, how to approach the question. And I, the point is at different times in our life, we need to approach it differently. When we're in active pain, this isn't necessarily the time to even hear all the thoughts and philosophy behind it. As you're pointing out, that's the time for just silence and empathy and care. But when we're struggling with the question in a bit of a more detached, theoretical way, that's not in the moment struggling, everything you're sharing here is a total life-changing perspective change, which really is life-changing. I think, again, really adds to another floor of really setting down firm foundations of understanding core beliefs. I want to thank you all for joining me. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? 
At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from Leak City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Doris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 